Hello and welcome to the Imagineer Podcast, your unofficial guide to all things Disney. I'm your host, Matthew Krull, and you're listening to episode 142 of the Imagineer Podcast. In today's podcast episode, we're going to kick off a two-part discussion that is personal and meaningful, and I also think going to be informative and entertaining for those of you listening, as my wife Joanna and I sit down together at the table with Maggie. You'll hear occasionally Maggie in the background as we discuss Maggie's first trip to Walt Disney World. We're going to share a lot of advice in case you are considering taking your infant or toddler or young one to Walt Disney World or any Disney park for that matter. Or if you're thinking about perhaps taking your baby in the future, some of the things to keep in mind, some of the reasons why you should definitely make the trip and some of the thought process that went into how we decided when we were going to go, what we were going to bring with us, some of the things that we felt that we needed on the trip, some of the things we packed that maybe we didn't necessarily need, what it was like to navigate around the parks with an infant, and so many other questions. Where did we stay? Plus, we answered some of your questions that you submitted from Instagram a couple of weeks ago, a little bit before we recorded this episode. So we really made sure to provide as much information as we possibly could. Part one, we're really going to talk a lot more about the planning process that went into this trip, including what we did decide to pack, plus where we stayed, what our room was like, and how we went about planning our Disney vacation. In part two, we're going to discuss a little bit more about our day-by-day experiences. We'll talk about what it was like to go to the parks with Maggie and some final thoughts about our vacation. Of course, at the end of this episode, I'll come back and tell you a little bit more about how you can connect with the Imagineer podcast on all your favorite social media channels and how you can help to inspire and create the future of this show. So grab some headphones, pull up your favorite armchair, and enjoy this episode of the Imagineer podcast. So Joanna and I just returned from Walt Disney World with Maggie on her first trip to Disney ever. She was only seven and a half months old. And upon returning and even before the trip, we received so many questions about what it was like to visit Disney with a baby. We were asked about our advice for families considering traveling with an infant and we ourselves, since it's been less than a week then, uh, since we got back from Disney, wanted to record an episode to recap our experiences, share some of the lessons that we learned, and of course convey some of our thoughts and uh, some of our recommendations to families who are considering going with the baby. And even if you're not, you're just listening to this episode, hope you find it to be a really interesting look back at this very different type of vacation experience. Of course, to 
fully discuss this episode. It's not just about my experiences, but it was also really important to bring Joanna back onto the show so that she could share some of her thoughts from her perspective and some of the takeaways and lessons and thoughts that she has as well. So welcome back, Joanna. Thank you so much for having me back on the show. Yeah. We haven't had you on the show since we talked about going to Disney pregnant. Yeah. And now it's going to Disney with a baby. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm in it for the mom podcasts, I guess. Yeah. All the mom episodes. We'll, we'll get you back for another roundtable discussion. That maybe Pixar-related. Nice, yeah. uh, maybe a deep dive on Coco or Encanto or Moana. That sounds great. Yeah. Some of your favorites. <laughs> Let's go back a step. We knew a while ago that we wanted to have Maggie's first trip be... Sometime the first year that she was born, we thought maybe it would be after she turned a year old, but it quickly, you know, got to be, um, we, we decided pretty quickly that we did want it to be the summer uh, of, of uh, summer after she was born. Um, do you remember how far back we were planning this trip? I feel like we were planning this trip while we were pregnant. For sure. Um, thinking about when was the next time we were going to go to Disney World in general. Um, because, you know, since COVID, we really only went back, um, you know, not, I don't even remember. Like, we were there. July 2021. July of 2021. Yeah. And they didn't have any masks um, that time. Maggie's here too, by the way, if you hear any coos in the background. This is how we record podcasts together with Maggie in tow as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, July 2021, they didn't have any mask requirements then. And we took some pictures um, yeah, to show that we were having a nice little baby girl, and that was great. And we knew that you know we kind of had to go back before she was one because as Disney people, the Disney people that we are, we're not going to go more than a year without going to Disney. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think um, bringing her before one is also was also really helpful, like with her feeding schedule because I'm still breastfeeding her. And it was, you know, I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit more about feedings in general with the baby and diaper changes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I think that was also part of it where we didn't have to worry too much about what she was going to be eating and when she was going to be eating um, because she's still so little at seven and a half months when we went. And there was definitely a learning curve, but it's incredible how easy it was and maybe it's because Maggie is such an easy baby or we know her so well or what the story might be but I had expected it to be maybe challenging to go with an infant but Maggie proved us wrong it was not the as easy as going just the two of us as a couple but it was really not that much more challenging than when we were going in the past I will disclaim here that we will be talking quite a bit about Magical Park Vacations, WDW Park Planners, and Magical Park Tours because they were instrumental in supporting this vacation. They did, to be totally transparent, host a number of things for us. So they did host our room stay, which we'll talk about. They also provided us with free concierge planning services with WDW Park Planners and a free in-person park tour with Magical Park Tours for six hours on one day. So I wanted to be upfront about all of that, but know that we are still going to be candid about our experiences and 
I'll tell you right now that we absolutely felt if we had paid full price for all of these things, all services were well worth the cost of what we received. Absolutely. Especially the tour uh, that the Epcot day that we had the um, park tour was amazing. I can't wait to talk about the tour. I, uh, I, I was almost hesitant as if I were a guest, I would be hesitant because I'm thinking I'm paying money for something that I know how to do. I know how to plan a Disney vacation. I know how to navigate the parks. There were some surprise benefits that made it so worth what, again, for us was free, but was so worth what the cost of these services are. That we, I, we would absolutely we do, would absolutely pay for it. Do that again and pay for pay for it, one hundred percent. We got so much value out of it. Unbelievable! I can't wait to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, let's 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 stick with the the we'll kind of tease out that to uh, to look forward to in the conversation. Um, I think we already talked a little bit about how we decided on the time of year in terms of it being the summer, um, but we'll disclose why we chose this particular week in august are you sure we want to disclose the secret information people know people know and let's be honest it's not an off-peak time of year so it was it's not like going the best time of year to go to disney if you want minimal crowds and the best weather is really to go in like may maybe. yeah maybe early may or as long as it's after spring break for colleges and before you know usually during like finals for colleges is a good time to go um middle of january beginning of february like when kids are really in school no one's taking vacation or the best time but we are bound to the school calendar with joanna teaching which means that we really unless we want to take a short extended weekend which we've done a couple of times if we really want to take a week-long family vacation we're bound to the school calendar so that means president's week in new york we get off for that week um spring break is another time we can go the week of christmas to new year we can go but those are really busy weeks especially spring break and and christmas break Mm -hmm. so we like to go in the summer and it is hot and it is, it is humid. It is hot, it is humid. And it does rain every day. It, yes, it rained every day. <laughs> every single day. But it, we go in expecting that and knowing it. And it's not, it is hot being outside all day, but not that much hotter than in New York on peak on peak heat days. If we get a heat wave, it's, it's fairly similar, maybe amplified a little bit. And the fact that we're outside makes it more challenging. But we like to go the second half of August. Um, That's sort of our new sweet spot. We tried it in 2019. We did it again this year um, because the schools here in the Northeast are not back yet, but schools in a lot of the country are back, including local schools in Orlando. So annual pass holders aren't going as frequently during the weekdays, especially during the mornings and the afternoons. And we are also in this period of Yes, the weather is hot, but um, it's not July hot. It's not I July feel like, hot. I feel like when we went in July um, last year, right? Yes. Yeah, last it was it was hotter, and it rain. It also rained, and there were the, there was so many more crowds that week also in July. Um, but this week the the crowds were actually pretty minimal. We didn't have to wait too long on lines. No. Um, you know we had. Um, Genie Plus for a couple of days. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Um, 
But even yeah. the days that we didn't have Genie Plus, it, the lines were really not that bad. And they, no. they moved. Um, there really wasn't a lot of people either. No. I mean, we're talking the wait times this time of year for this year. And this was an odd year. 2022, there's more travel happening as people are, especially Disney Vacation Club members, are using their points that they had to... Uh, bank for future years and people are starting to feel comfortable traveling again. There, it was a very busy year for Disney, but this particular week, I mean, the longest wait time I saw for Seven Dwarves Mind Train was 70 minutes, which is really not that bad. Avatar Flight of Passage maybe reached 110. Um, the uh, Rise of the Resist, Star Wars Rise of the Resistance, it had a bad breakdown day and still only got to 125 um, post breakdown, like when it ride had reopened. So and even then, we were in line at that time, and it was still only... It was posted 125. We only waited 90. So it was still not that bad to go crowd-wise. The other surprise benefit, and the other reason we like this time of year, is it's early food and wine. And they had opened the last of the food and wine booths when we went. So it is still the Epcot International Food and Wine Festival. So that's a nice benefit, too. And if we wanted to go to the Halloween party... We mm-hmm. also could have gone to the Halloween party. We yeah. decided not to this trip. This trip, right. Um, just with Maggie, it didn't really make sense. Well, you know, part of it was we were unsure how she was really going to react to a lot of things. So the Halloween party was a, a monetary commitment to something that, you know, we were a bit unsure about having her in the park that late. Yeah. Even. There were some surprise complexities to this vacation as well, um, besides having a baby. But we'll first get to the fun part. How did we decide where to stay? <laughs> um, so we were hosted. Um, we were going to be hosted. Basically, um, we could have chosen a deluxe resort, a uh, regular room. So we could have stayed at the Grand. We could have stayed at Boardwalk, Yacht Club, Beach Club. And, you know, I, I'm, very, I'm very into deluxe resort stays. They're so extravagant and amazing. But, you know, going going to Disney multiple times, and we've stayed at, um, where did we stay? We'd stayed at Boardwalk before, we've stayed at the Grand before, we've stayed at Polynesian before. Beach Club. We've, yeah, we've... In, Animal in, Kingdom Lodge. Yeah, all those deluxe resorts. And Coronado Springs, nothing really beats that tower. That Destino Tower is amazing. And to balance out the fact that it was a moderate resort we were able to uh say uh, stay at the concierge level at this moderate resort which was actually less expensive per night than a deluxe yeah yeah uh, standard room grandestino tower club level is less expensive than at least as we're recording this when we were looking at week less expensive than a standard room standard room type at any of the deluxe resorts as of yeah as of this yeah that could change that could change of course and then this um that week in particular could be different yeah so but that was really amazing i mean you know having the baby we really weren't sure going into this trip we weren't sure how everything was going to work out and having club level we're able to get breakfast in the morning it's not a large spread but it's Big enough that I I can give her a little bit of, like, bread with peanut butter. She can have, you know, maybe a little waffle in there. She has no teeth. She just, like, sucks on stuff. But, you know, just to relax a little bit in the morning, have a cup of coffee at the club level, and then go to the parks. You know, we are rope drop people in general. 
Um, but in the club level opens at like 6.30 in the morning. And we were there. 6.30. 6.30 in the morning because it was nice and quiet. Um, we just had our coffee. The baby was ready to go. They start serving <laughs> breakfast at 7. Yeah. Um, I think that was the main reason why we wanted to stay club level was because of that breakfast idea and just relaxing a little bit in the morning. It's the space. It's the space to go to outside the room. Because really the food, you're not, when you're paying for club level, you'd have to eat a significant amount of food to (laughs) make up for the price difference between a standard room and club level room. But it's really the convenience, the concierge staff, the extra place to go. The staff was amazing there too. Um, They loved Maggie. Um, From the first morning that we were there with her, they said, oh, welcome to the club. Who is this? Because they hadn't seen us before. Because most of the people that stay at the club level will stay, you know, more than one or two days. So the staff there will get to know who's coming into the club. And so this was the first morning they got to meet Maggie. I don't think there were that many babies in the club. No. (laughs) So they did remember her and they were really interested in her trip and how she's enjoying everything. There were a couple times I ran upstairs for bottles of water for us or getting some coffee for us in the morning. And even if I did not have Maggie with me without missing a beat, the staff would say, oh, good morning or good afternoon. How's Maggie? How was your trip? You went to Epcot today, right? How was Epcot? How did she like it? What was your favorite ride? They were just so good at remembering the details of our family and our vacation. It was incredible. I don't think they remembered our names. No, but But they sure remembered Maggie. It was very sweet to... It felt kind of like homey in a way. Yeah. Um, like a welcome back idea or... It's like our homeroom for the week. Right. You know, I'm sure we're going to get into who we traveled with in, oh, this, yes. in this podcast, but we traveled with a number of people in both of our families and having the club level was kind of a... a, a our escape. It's, I wouldn't say escape because it was really nice to be with the family. Oh, yes. It was more like a, a home base like nobody else can get in there. It was just us. Yeah. And we can just kind of say, all right, it's, all right, it's our excuse for family time. Just yeah, the three of just us. Just the three of us. It was nice. Um, and the other thing I'll add is, you know, normally we would stay in a standard room and we love standard rooms at Coronado. They're really for the price that you're paying well worth the expense. We tend to be very pragmatic spenders when it comes to anything in life. And we find the and we, we care a lot about value for our dollar and Coronado Springs in general is a moderate premium resort I'd consider it to be especially Grandestino Tower it's sort of like a deluxe light it doesn't have all of the amenities of a deluxe resort certainly the transportation is not quite as robust as most deluxe resorts we just have bus transportation or you can rent a car but we love the fact that really for club level, if I remember off the top of my head, it was about four seventy-five a night that you would be spending on average for the club level in a standard room. Well worth the value. Thankfully, or happily, um, the team at Magical Park Vacations and WDW Park Planners um, gave us a nice little upgrade to a deluxe suite uh, so that we could try it out. The tower suites are a one bedroom, two bathrooms. They're sort of like a, a mini bathroom with just a, uh, a toilet and a sink in the front when you walk in. And the main master bathroom has the full setup. So the, the shower, two sinks, um, and an extra sort of closed off area um, with the toilet if, uh, if you know, for 
if, if, for a sort of a separate area. So you have you have two. Let's just talk more yeah. about toilets. I mean, I'm sure that's what, that's what people want to hear about. Um, and then there's to a, know how many toilets yeah, there are. Two toilets and then a uh, a big living space, sort of like a, a large living room, which was really nice as well, and dual dual temperature control, which we're going to get to in a minute mm-hmm. or in a little bit as well, because that was important. Oh, that was, um, okay. Temperature control in the main room and then temperature control in the bedroom and bathroom. Um, so it was really nice to have that extra space. Um, you know, I don't think we necessarily needed that extra space. We could have absolutely gotten away even with the baby doing just the standard room at Coronado and been fine. Um, Definitely. But, but having the extra space was really nice. Um, it, it just makes me want to always have it. Yeah. You know, yeah. And that's It was I'm, like when we the first time we used our we collected all these airline points and we decided, oh, we're gonna treat ourselves on our honeymoon to first class. Um <laughs> we're like, how could we ever go back to coach after this? <laughs> that's the curse and the blessing of uh upgrading anything in life. That's very true. <laughs> and we we have gone back to coach. Yeah, we have. Um <laughs> but um yeah, so Coronado was was definitely the place we wanted to stay. We had planned to rent a car we looked at rental car prices again we are very pragmatic spenders we could have rented a car for the week we're talking 2021 inflation supply demand issues rising gas prices 2021 2022 sorry 2022 (laughs) rising gas prices everything was so expensive we could have gotten for the week a standard economy car i'm talking like a toyota corolla or equivalent for 600 for the week Plus, we would have then had to pay $25 a night for resort parking, which was really, I think, $20 plus tax a night for resort parking, plus gas. So it was going to cost us, when you do the math, roughly $800 to rent a car. Um, so we're going to talk instead about the transportation that we used. But before we get to that, um, we did have, as we mentioned, planning with family on both sides. So once we had the blueprint for what we wanted to do, everyone in our lives, with some exceptions, said, it's gonna be very challenging to go to Disney with a baby and you need other family there or else it's gonna be impossible to do or you're going to be too stressed on this vacation. Besides that, we also wanted to invite family to tag along because we do like when our family comes with us and gives us another reason to celebrate, new things to try, they don't go as often as we do so we like going with them on their first experiences on new attractions, new restaurants, new restaurants to go to. Um, so we invited both sides of the family, both sides of the family said they were going to come. Um, the, it was in one case kind of down to the wire, the like 65 days before our trip, that family on one side decided they were going to come, but, um, it was split up between we arrived on a Tuesday and left on a Tuesday, a full week. Um, my side of the family arrived on Wednesday and left on Sunday and Joanna's side of the family um, showed up except for your mom who showed up a little bit earlier pretty much arrived Thursday night and left Tuesday with us Um, actually even a little bit after us we had an earlier flight than them so we had to reach out to WDW Park Planners when they offered to provide us with this free concierge planning service um, to sort of host us and give us a taste for what it's like And they had the complexity of booking dining and planning days for, it was really three vacations. Um, They came up with a plan for us and then for each individual family so as to not confuse anybody, I went out of my way to create three separate, basically simplified PDFs of like, here's my family's 
itinerary. Here's Joanna's family's itinerary, and then here's the three of us, our itinerary for the week. So kind of like combining three plans into one with overlapping reservations and times we're going to be splitting apart. WDW Park planners from beginning to end, big thanks to Michelle and Hannah and Colleen, really helped paint a perfect plan for our family. They took time to listen to what we wanted to do. There were cases where they made suggestions for places to eat, and we just said, you know, we really want to go here instead. They had put Disney Springs on the plan as an option, and we said, we're probably not going to go to Disney Springs. They had no problem moving things around and helping us come up with the perfect plan, and they did come up with, I think, the perfect plan for our family. Um, you know, the part of the process is they'll sit down with you, they'll understand when you're going, what you typically like to do, the ages of everyone who's going, um, where you might want to eat, how many days you're planning to visit the parks, the, all those questions that would be involved with the planning process, where you want to stay, how you're flying in, what your transportation options are. Um, and then they come up with the itinerary. And what was really nice was they also book dining. So when we said we wanted, for instance, my sister really wanted to eat at Be Our Guest Restaurant because uh, she also brought her daughter, who's, uh, who was at the time nine months old, just a month and a half older than Maggie. She really wanted to eat at Be Our Guest Restaurant. It was day three of our trip. And any of you savvy Disney fans listening who know Be Our Guest Restaurant for dinner um, and reservations for dinner for a family of, what was it, 11 of us? Um, it was 11 of I us. I think it was 11. It was the seven, table of seven, table of four. Yeah. Is, is basically impossible to get. They managed through persistence to get us two reservations for Be Our Guest Restaurant for dinner at basically, I think, prime time. It was 4.30. Um, so like slightly before the dinner rush, which was great because we also got there a little earlier and we got a great seat in the ballroom at Be Our Guest Restaurant. They managed to get that for us. They managed to get for the next morning Topolino's breakfast, which is also incredibly challenging to get. And I was also through persistence. They have all their strategies for how to make sure that they can get dining. Of course, it's never guaranteed, especially with such a large group. I was just and that was day four of our day four day four of our trip. Topolino breakfast for eleven people. Eleven people again. Yeah, with the two babies was eleven people, and that that one was down to the wire. I have to admit, we were. We left on that Tuesday with a backup breakfast reservation at the time. I think I remember. Mm-hmm. We And I was pretty disappointed. I was like, I can't believe we can't do Topolino. It's my absolute favorite. I love that. I love that. It's like the the quiche or frittata thing. It was yeah. so, I was so disappointed. Sour cream waffle is my favorite. I was so disappointed that we were going to Disney and not going to Topolino's for breakfast. And... Sure enough, within within that day or within those like twenty four hours that we were in Disney, we got the text from Michelle saying we got it. <laughs> so it was a very exciting um, time for at least me. I was I was very excited to get Topolino breakfast for everybody, and that was a great breakfast. It was, and what's really nice too is that they send when you're done when you have your itinerary all planned out. They send this really beautiful. Um, like a, a booklet yeah. it's really it's a booklet of your vacation plan it's personalized to you um, each family they they're creating a separate booklet for each family it has um, strategies and recommendations for genie plus lightning lane how to approach the park based on your particular family it's not a pre-scripted oh go to this attraction first and this attraction second but 
based on what your family said that they want to do, they come up with a, a sort of a play-by-play for the day um, for each park day of what to do when, where, when your reservations are. Like it's, it's, it's a one-stop shop for everything, every piece of information you might possibly need and to make things better. And I did take advantage of this. So sorry, Michelle, for uh, sending you so many questions. But um, if things come up during your trip, you do have a direct number for your planner. So you can call, email, text, and they'll get back to you. And Michelle answered me promptly in every case. Um, And it was even in one case because we were in the park and we had an issue with with, uh, connecting with another person in my family on on the My Disney Experience app because it was being a little glitchy. She was logged into my account um, on the app talking with a cast member for me while I was just enjoying the park. It was amazing. It, it was such an amazing service. Um, and that is included. Like, their, their on-the-spot help in support from the remote location is uh, is included in your park planning fee. Yeah, so that's, that's it was really nice. An unbeatable service in that respect because when something goes wrong when you're there, it's sometimes really challenging to try to fix it on your own. Especially when... It takes time out of your day. It takes time, yeah, it takes yeah. four, sure. And you have, we had the whole family there, and the family's looking to Matthew because, obviously, they know that Matthew is more experienced a uh, Disney person. <laughs> so they're looking to him to try to fix a problem that he doesn't know how to fix either. I mean, he kind of knew how to fix it, but, again, it was... Time-consuming. Time-consuming and stressful, and he would have to talk to some extra cast members. We were planning on going to guest relations about fixing that issue. But Michelle was on it, and she took care of a lot of that remotely. And you did end up going to guest relations for like the Magic Band yeah. issue anyway, and everything got fixed. But it was a really nice. And this setup. long episode, we are going to talk about Genie Plus. I already know this is going to be a long podcast episode, um, and I am going to talk a little bit about what happened and why you should not be afraid to use Genie Plus and deal with potential problems that might arise because they were more than satisfactorily resolved. So we'll talk a little bit about that. A big question that people ask me, I know we're still sort of in this pre-planning discussion, and I'm not even talking about everything with WW Park Planners. There's a whole like Zoom call that we had with them that was an hour long before our trip, going through every single detail, making sure we knew everything about the trip. Um, There's a lot of things that went on behind the scenes ahead of time that made it well worth the service. But a big question, that came up a lot um, as we were planning the trip and on the trip and post-trip was what did we pack? Because this was not a typical Disney vacation. Joanne and I are the type of people, we pack light, we carry on only. We know even for a week at Disney, we know how to pack so that we maximize or minimize our time at the airport, maximize our time at Disney. This was not one of those vacations. Um, we had two check bags. I mean, I think I should talk more about yeah, this. Yeah, I'm going to let you. Because <laughs> you did all the research for this. Well, it's not just research. It's, what research am I doing? Am I doing like... <laughs> What's a pack to Disney? <laughs> I'm we had up. to think through everything, like what Maggie has at home. And, well, yeah. yeah. You know, Matthew does not have the luxury of being a teacher. <laughs> so I had the basically the whole summer to think about this and to work through this. And I would say that... Um, what I packed was pretty much perfect. Uh, it was. You. Yeah, I, I think I overpacked just a little bit. I don't think I completely overpacked, no. which was good. Um, so I'll kind of get through it. Um, I packed a hundred, 
or so diapers that were already prepackaged. I didn't open up a thing of diapers and um, like count them. I just I kind of knew from working with Maggie throughout July and most of August how many diapers she goes through in a week. I can kind of sense it based on when I open up a new package. And so I knew bringing an entire unopened package was gonna be more than enough, and it was. Um, I packed that in a checked bag. Then um, I think the biggest thing for Maggie was the portable fan that's rechargeable. Um, Especially going that week in August, it was hot. Very hot. Even for her sitting in the stroller with the breeze on her as we're walking is not enough. She was she was hot, um, and there were times that first day when the first full day in Epcot, um, she was definitely uncomfortably hot, and we had the fan going on her, which was good, and that helped a lot. And we obviously went into inside shops to get some more AC for her, um, but that fan was integral. In- integral. It was important. <laughs> it was important. <laughs> Um, another big thing with Maggie, um, with bath time in particular, um, we don't bathe her every night because otherwise her skin would dry out. It's every, it's about every other night to every two nights. Um, when we were in Disney, I knew that we would have to bathe her obviously, and she'd be sweating. She's going to be hot. So I purchased a little tub that's inflatable and it came really tightly packed in a little box and bag. So that tiny little bag, maybe about, um, I don't know, about the size of a chapter book, I'd say, that was able that fit right into the checked bag. And I blew it up um, using just my mouth. It was it was kind of annoying. It took me like five minutes to do that, but um, I blew it up, and that was her little tub for the week, because at Coronado. And I'm not sure about the other resorts because I haven't been there in a while, but at Coronado, there is no tub. tub. It's yeah. just walk-in showers. Um, so that tub was important to have for her because I was not going to stand, stand, and, hold, yeah. stand <laughs> and hold her. She She's very mobile now, uh, and she was very mobile when we went. So putting her in the tub was definitely important. And it was an inflatable tub that we I just dumped out the water when she was done. I refilled it. And then packing it back up was pretty easy just deflated it and rolled it up again um umbrellas always well that's just for us period we always bring umbrellas yeah umbrellas are always thing refillable water bottles are always a thing um for clothing for her and this is where i think i overpacked a little bit um maggie again she moves around a lot especially in the stroller and she gets like um like a little rash from the straps from things so i had her in shorts or pants every day i wasn't going to keep her just in a onesie um so i made sure to have (laughs) i i kind of said three outfits a day because inevitably she will blow out at least once a day sometimes twice a day and it's just because of her being on a mostly liquid diet um so she she definitely has some accidents and i'm glad i did that um, three outfits a day was more than enough, but I still felt like we had options for her to change outfits, and we had a lot of Disney outfits for her, obviously. You saw probably saw some pictures of her in all of her Minnie Mouse, Mickey Mouse, Mandalorian, Baby Yoda. Um, you know, she really had a lot of Disney to pick from, which was good. 
Um, I also packed something that was also kind of important because she was starting solids this summer. Uh, some baby spoons, like those silicone spoons, because I knew that she would be having some kind of mashed up food at dinner or breakfast, so those spoons were really useful. Um, luckily, I did not have to bring any bottles. I just did exclusive breastfeeding with her, plus any table scraps that she might be interested in. Um, I mean, those are the main different things that I had to pack for her. Sunscreen for her is another thing. Well, yeah. And the baby shampoo. Well, the baby shampoo didn't take up much space. Um, The baby sunscreen did not take up much space. And we always bring sunscreen for ourselves anyway. We are very white. She is very white. Uh, We had to protect... Burn easily. We had to protect her even more than ourselves. So there were times when Matthew had the umbrella and I said, nope, not for you. It's for the baby. So I had to steal it from him, make sure she was covered. That reminds me that we had to have multiple baby hats. Yes. Uh, to keep her head safe, to keep her eyes safe. Um, I did a little baby bathing suit. We went in the pool for the first time. She enjoyed that. Um, I think I think that's probably good. Yeah, and then like little toys for her and some... Well, any of those, yeah, like a little rattle that sometimes, you know, because she can get a little bit antsy. Yeah, so, uh, you know, those were, I think, only the only out-of-the-norm things that we had brought with us. Um, I have a list that I made if you want me to share it again. Yeah, if you're I'll, put interested. It in the, I'll put it in the podcast notes. If you would like. I still have the list of everything that I brought. And some things that I didn't bring, you know, I have them on here anyway, and, and just to make sure that... Should we talk about the carrier? That everybody was asking us about because we did bring two carriers with us and we only used one of them. That is well, that's not entirely true. Well, that's true. You did use at the airport. <laughs> that's that's true. At the airport, I used your typical baby carrier, um, where she was on my chest, uh, either facing me or facing out, depending upon how she was feeling, um, and what I was doing if I was walking around the airport or if I was just sitting at the airport. Um, so that was a typical baby carrier that I wore like a. You know, a front-facing backpack, um, but the—it's not really a carrier. It's more like a seat fanny pack. Yeah, I think um, it's called a. Some, it's sometimes called a tush baby or a, a hip carrier. Maybe a hip carrier. It's the Sun Vino brands. That's all I know. Sun Vino brand. So it's probably not the most expensive brand because it was a gift from my mom, who just is. You know, she likes to do lots of fun research for herself and see, oh, this seems interesting. Well, we're not I, big spenders either. We don't spend a lot of money on no, stuff. No, I'm not going to spend a lot of money on something, especially if I wasn't sure if it would work. And I think I got it's $40 this. on Amazon. Okay, that's not bad. I would I would buy that. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the amount of use we got out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, probably having her sit on the seat saved my arms <laughs> saved my arms from holding her the whole time in line and getting tired you probably hear her blow, smacking her lips blowing, <laughs> blowing kisses <laughs> she's blowing kisses at everybody oh, um saved my arms from getting tired for sure it was a little bit more of a strain on my lower back but not so not as much as the front facing carrier was um, so it was absolutely worth it to have that thing on me throughout the parks. But I will tell you, it was hot. It was very hot to have this thick fanny pack around me. I was sweating so much, but it was, again, it was very much worth it between being on the lines holding her and even breastfeeding her. Um, she sat on the seat on my hip 
and she was able to breastfeed while I'm walking around, while I'm in line, wherever we were. I did not have to sit down to feed her, which was quite a lifesaver. I'm not sure how many people were planning on breastfeeding while they're bringing their baby there. I mean, Maggie is a little bit older than your typical breastfed baby, but um, she was amazing on that seat um, with her feedings. Yeah, she loved it. Um, that's right. Seal of approval from Maggie. <laughs> um, air travel, we did decide on flights that were number one direct. We, I mean, that's how we typically fly anyway. We only like direct flights. If we can, if we can do a direct flight, we will. And there's plenty of direct flights from New York to Orlando every day. Um, so that was not a challenge at all. We worked with Maggie's typical schedule. She's usually happiest in the morning or late morning, early afternoon. And we wanted to have time to settle in, not be too early for her to get up those travel days and also not be up too late because we knew this was a new experience for her. She ended up, uh, so we ended up picking about a 12.30 p.m. flight both ways, which got to Orlando roughly or got to our destination Orlando or New York about 3:30 in the afternoon. Um, so really in the middle of the day, uh, not too early, not too late and again gives us plenty of time to travel if there's delays and Maggie's not up too early or too late. Maggie did so well on both flights. I think she might be an exception to the rule, but she did not cry once in the airport on the plane. She was a happy baby on the plane. She was flirting with the passengers around her. Behind us. Behind in us in particular. Because <laughs> you could see she could see them through the um, the, the gaps in the, the gaps seats. through the seats. We yeah. couldn't see the passengers behind us, but the way I was holding her, she kept poking her head through the gap. Uh, I remember the woman coming back to New York, the woman gave me a little compliment saying that baby is the best baby I have ever seen. She was so happy. We were flirting. It was <laughs> so great to like she because you know when I don't back before I had a child. Obviously, if I was on an airplane and I was seated was seated seated next to a infant, I would be a little bit like, oh, I can't believe I'm gonna have a crying baby next to me. And I'm sure people around us felt the same way. You know, we, they don't have to vocalize it, but yeah, you're thinking they, it. You're thinking it. You know, everybody's thinking it. But I guess she surprised everybody by not crying and by being happy to fly, excited to fly. She was looking around. She did not care about the ascent or the descent. There was no problems with air pressure changes. Um, well, I fed you her. Fed her both I fed her on the down. way up. I yeah. fed her on the way down. I think That's that was to do. that was what you have to do. Yeah. Yeah. So she did not have any problems on the flight, which I'm sure is, uh, again, an exception to the rule. And we had her, because you can technically bring your own car seat and put the put your baby into a separate seat. Um, you have to pay for the seat, of course. But we had her as in uh, a lap infant, which you don't pay any extra for, uh, typically at least, uh, depending what airline you fly, I guess. But uh, we didn't have to pay any extra for her, and she just um, sat mostly on Joanna's lap. Occasionally, I might hold her for a little bit. Um, and that was really easy. We brought, you do have to technically bring uh, a birth certificate with your copy of a birth certificate. So we did that, but nobody asked for it. Um, but technically they can ask for it for proof of age if they want to, to make sure they don't need their own seat. So 
that was air travel. And then, like I said, we decided not to rent a car this trip. We could have theoretically brought our own car seat, our own stroller. It's not extra when you do that with airlines. They You bring it to the gate. They, it's a gate check bag, so they put it on the plane when you get to the gate, and then they give it back to you when you get to your destination at the gate yeah. again. Um, we wanted less to carry, and we decided not to rent a car. Well, part of that also was because we didn't want to bring our own stroller, which was like a $450 stroller, and imagine it gets ruined, ruined or damaged. It's our only infant car seat that's attached to the stroller. It just, to me, it wasn't, um, it was, it was a risk to have our car seat, our, our, yeah. it was a risk <laughs> to have our one and only car seat go through, I guess, All t- of that t- travel. T- TSA travel yeah. and, you know, the wear and tear, wear and tear. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we did decide, I mean, again, this is another thing that was sponsored for us. I would have chosen this company anyway, which is how I do how I work with sponsors. I mean, I would have happily paid for this, but they uh, they did offer to host our rental for the week, Kingdom Strollers. We decided to rent a stroller down there. Um, the cost of our stroller, again, we're pretty pragmatic spenders, and I don't like to ask too much of the companies that sponsor me. So I'm like, just give me the cheapest stroller. It's okay. <laughs> um, so it would have cost us $120 for the week. That's all in with taxes and everything. $120 for eight days, picking it up on a Tuesday um, in the afternoon and dropping it off the following Tuesday on the morning. It is our stroller for the week. They clean it and sanitize it before you arrive at your destination. The thing I love about Kingdom Strollers, besides the super affordable cost and the convenience of just having your own dedicated stroller for the week. By the way, if you rent a stroller from the Disney parks, I believe it's $40 a day. Um, So we're talking significant savings compared to Disney strollers. And if you've seen Disney's hard plastic strollers, they're nowhere near as comfortable as the strollers you get with Kingdom strollers. I'm not sure if it's $40. Is it? I think it might be cheaper. It might be cheaper? I think it might be. Maybe you're thinking of the scooters. Yeah, I think you think... I think you're thinking of the scooters because we did have to have a scooter scooter rental for this trip for my dad too, but I think the strollers are only 15 for the day. Okay. Yeah. So a a comparable price then. It's a comparable price, but again, the hard plastic stroller only in the the one park versus your own stroller that you can transport around um, wherever you want to go to dinners and to any other parks. And they also, the thing I love about it is that they pick up and drop off at your resort. You do have to meet them. They're not, they can't leave it with the, the valet or baggage claim. You do have to physically be present. Um, not baggage claim, bell services. You do have to physically be present um, to pick up and drop off. But we selected times that we knew were uh, compatible with our flights. I'll admit going down, our flight was delayed an hour and a half, and I knew that we were not going to make our stroller time, so I called the number in the airport, and I got an answer literally after two rings. It went straight to a person, and I explained who I was, and they looked me up in the system. I said, our flight's delayed. They said, not a problem. We'll set a new, how about this pickup time? I said, that's perfect. And when I arrived in Orlando, the driver actually had showed up early, I guess he had no other stops to make that day. And he said, I'm at Coronado Springs now. And I said, I'm at Orlando Airport. I'm not going to get there for at least an hour. I'm so sorry. They should have called you and said that. Um, 
that uh, they, our flight was delayed. And he said, no, it's not a problem. I'll just hang out here until you get here. <laughs> so I like, we got there as soon as I possibly could. And sure enough, he was waiting out front. I called him, I said, I'm here. We met up, it was like a 10 second handoff of the stroller. He just confirmed who I was. And I mean, talking to him on the phone and having my number was pretty much enough. And then we had our stroller and then picking up, same situation. I had a, but a more smooth, more smooth pickup because our it was before our flight. So we had a 15 minute window that I was, I went downstairs and they had texted me about 30 minutes before saying that the driver's on the way. And right in that window, I think it was five minutes into that 15 minute window, um, I saw the Kingdom Strollers van pull up. The the um, guy came out of the van. He confirmed my name, scanned the stroller, took it with him. It was like a 15 second handoff. It was super quick, no problems, and then we went on our way. So it was it was really convenient to have Kingdom Strollers for the week. Our stroller was really easy to move around, super simple to fold, just sort of like the you pull the handle and lock it. I have on my Instagram reels, you can see how I folded it and how easily, and I just, my first time using that stroller, just learned it that week. Um, very easy to bring on to the buses at Disney and to navigate around the parks. So definitely recommend it. The other thing we had to decide was, I know we haven't, we haven't even gotten to talking about the parks yet, but this I is know. so I mean, important to talk about. It is because people asked you about this. Be- I mean, and it's part of the travel. Like you can't with a baby, you can't just show up and decide on the spot how you're going to get around. <laughs> you really can't do that. Could so you imagine? We had to think step by step, point A to point B, and it sounds complicated talking about it, but it really was not bad, especially with the amount of time we had to plan. And I think the the companies that we worked with, whether hosted or not, were all fantastic assets to this trip. I mean, and recommended to us. Yes. By WDW Park Planners because they do amazing work for the their clients. Well, I'm including WDW yes. Park Planners in this list of assets that we had in this travel adventure that we went on with Maggie for the first time. You know, it was point A to point B. You think it's you think it's going to go one way, and uh, it does not. <laughs> yeah. And so part of this was we had to figure out how to safely get from the airport to Disney. Right, exactly. But I think that safely is a very important word here. Like, I totally trust the Disney buses um, to get us safely around our destination. But I was definitely worried going from the airport to Disney how we were going to do that safely. Uh, I felt I felt that the Mears Connect shuttle, um, just being such a long ride, um, I just did. To me, I didn't feel safe being on there with her. I'm sure it's super safe, but I, you know, I wasn't. You'd have to hold her. I have to hold her. Sure. I had to hold her just like I did on the plane, but I was personally, I wasn't comfortable doing it. Um, so I think this is where we got a really nice. Yeah, we got, we had, um, so we reached out to WDW park planners about it. We decided we weren't going to rent a car, like I said, and they recommended a company called JLS Exclusive Transportation. That's their formal name, but we know them as JLS is their more common name. They are a car service, and they offered to sponsor this trip for us so that we could discuss it and provide a review. 
I was really impressed with their service going to and from the airport. They made our lives incredibly easy. And we, I don't think we would necessarily feel like it was uh, a necessary thing to do if it was just the two of us, to be honest. If it was just us as a couple, I feel like we would happily take Mir's connect and spend the $16 per person each way to do that or for sure the, maybe an uber if we wanted something a little more private, private yeah like an regular uber and no it's problem. definitely much more affordable like it's a lower cost but i felt that the value we got from jls especially considering that we're with maggie was worth it and you said you would definitely do I, it again i would 100 percent do this again um as long as she is going to need some type of car seat, JLS will definitely be our transportation we'll be using. I felt like not only Matthew and I were safe, but Maggie was completely safe, and she was so comfortable in the car seat there. It was fast. It was fast. It was fun. Yeah. Our, our driver was, like, really into, like, talking about Disney, and he was excited for us because it was our first trip with the baby. Shout out to Sohail. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, and he, I mean, really, for me, too, first of all, the fact that we had not just a car seat, because technically you can get a car seat with Uber, but it's important to know if you're traveling with an infant. We looked into this, Uber and Lyft, those services, you can request a car with a car seat, but they're only required to bring a car seat for a toddler size and up. So you will not have a safe seat if you bring an infant. And in fact, they could even deny you service if you show up with an infant because you do not have the appropriate restraints. So Uber is really not an option if you have a baby um, unless you bring your own car seat, which we were not going to do. JLS had on file that we were bringing an infant and already had installed when we arrived a rear-facing infant car seat, which is the appropriate best practice for, and in New York State it's the law, for an infant that is Maggie's age and weight. Um, and it was really convenient when we had a reserved time. So Hale was looking at our flight. Like I said, it was delayed, but he knew it was delayed. So there was not an issue with that. Right. He tracked our flight. Yes. He, he knew when we were going to be arriving, regardless of the delay that we had. He knew about that delay. It was, And then he met us at baggage claim. Yep. He texted me while we were on the plane, in fact, an hour before to say he was tracking our flight. And because he had an iPhone and I had an iPhone and I was using the Wi-Fi on the plane, I actually was able to text him while I was on the plane, which was great. Um, and uh, then, yeah, he met us at baggage claim, right like he said he was going to be, and collected our bags for us, brought him to the car. And we I, I've never taken a car service in Orlando. And we had like a separate area. Um, if you can think about walking through baggage claim, you sort of go to the left uh, to go out the doors to the rental car area, or there's this sort of back door to the right, which I had seen before and I've never thought about, but it's the town car pickup area. We got in this really spacious, comfortable Escalade. Um, he had the rear facing car seat ready. Joanna got Maggie strapped in. I started getting some contents for uh, the sponsored post you can now see up on Instagram. And he drove us to Coronado Springs. It was about 35 minutes. This service, normally, just so you know, they can take you anywhere. So if you wanted to go to, like, Disney Cruise Line to Port Canaveral, they can take you there. If you wanted to go to a resort outside of Disney property, if you wanted to go to Universal or SeaWorld, they can go 
anywhere. They have different prices depending on where you're going. Um, at the time that we took the service, going to uh, and from uh, Orlando, uh, between Orlando and our Disney Resort was, uh, I believe, 140 each way. And then you just pay gratuity on top of that. So that's, you know, if you do the math, that's $280 plus gratuity. But I compare this to Mirrors Connect Express, which is a, also a private shuttle service. Um, that is about $220. So you're not really spending that much more. Um, instead of getting a Mirrors shuttle where you're not even guaranteed to get your own ride, you might be put with another family. Um, this is truly your own vehicle, your own driver and a really safe and spacious and comfortable way. He had bottles of water waiting for us when we got to the airport, um, you know, in the car for us, and uh, brought us door-to-door service, dropped us off at the front of Coronado Springs. Um, we had talked about our flight and the fact that we had to get to Citrico's really quickly. We were gonna get a minivan. And what I thought was really nice and kind of above and beyond was he said, well, when's your dinner reservation? Um, we said, oh. well, we really have to get there, you know, in the next 20 minutes, we're just gonna call a minivan. And he said, um, he's like, if you want, I'll hang out and I'll drive you to Citrico's. And that was that was really nice of him. Um, it, above and above beyond. Above and beyond. I give him an even bigger tip. <laughs> <laughs> he literally waited for us. I said, you know, we'll be back as quickly as possible. I was very respectful of his time. And we kind of ran upstairs, um, quickly changed and got well, our bags in. Well, that, we, that, had, we had an issue with the crib, so that's one thing. And the Maggie had a little blowout. And Maggie already. had a blowout. So it was really like 20 minutes. But we, we literally worked as quickly as, as we could to get back downstairs. As quickly as we could with the baby, yeah. And then he did drive us to Citrico's. And then, um, you know, quickly going back, just to, before we get to the trip now, going back to the airport, he we had a scheduled pickup time. It was about two and a half hours before our flight. He texted me an hour before that morning just to say he would be there at the scheduled time. He was there early because we got downstairs. He was already there. And it was the same situation in reverse, although instead of dropping us off in the baggage claim in the separate area, he did drop us off right in front of our um, airline check-in at the departure gates. So that was really nice as well. Um, so definitely, I'll include a link to JLS in the description of this episode too, so you can learn more about them and I, get a quick quote from them. But for sure, I, listen, it, it's definitely a, a price. It's it's expensive. It's not how we always travel. We would not always travel like this, and I'm grateful that we had the opportunity to try it out, um, and you know, be have a sponsored give him give him the sponsored post that you know. Hopefully he gets a lot of track, uh, traction. Yes, yeah, traction. <laughs> <laughs> traction from because, honestly, it was it felt like the absolute luxurious, safest option we could have ever asked for. It really was perfect. And it fit within our budget, which I know sounds surprising, but we planned, like I said, on renting a car. And when I went back home and tabulated everything we had spent when you added up how much we would have spent on JLS, obviously we just paid for gratuity, but if you added up how much we would have spent on JLS with gratuity, plus the minivans with gratuity, we spent about the same amount. Um, it might've been, cause I think we used minivan a little bit more than we had originally planned to just for the convenience. We had spent about the same amount as how much we would have spent for the rental car, tolls, parking, and gas. But in this case, instead of having our own vehicle um, and driving ourselves around, and even Magic Kingdom having to park at the Transportation and Ticket Center, 
we were chauffeured around on our vacation, yeah. which made it a much it more enjoyable vacation. It made it a more enjoyable vacation, vacation exactly. <laughs> and we knew with, we'll talk about minivans too, um, and all these forms of transportation, we had the private forms, we had rear-facing infant car seats, right. which was really important to, to us. To me, that was the most important thing for transporting Maggie in the cars, was rear-facing car seats. Yep, and that made it worth the price, just the safety aspect of it, knowing that she was comfortable, she was safe. That was the most important thing to yeah. us. We did ride the Disney buses. Oh, yeah. I, I would hold her on the bus just yeah. sitting there. We didn't ride it too often. I thought we were going to be taking the buses more often. But um, no, minivans, there's just more fun. I don't want to go into too much detail about the crib situation. There, You can request a crib, and you should if you have an infant, from Disney. It's first come, first serve. They give you a, a crib or a pack and play. We worked pretty hard to make sure we got a crib because... Um, but Maggie's just more used to it and more comfortable. She's never really slept in the pack and play before. and Not overnight. Right, not overnight at least. She's only taking a little naps during the day when she's super tired. Uh, and uh, so we didn't realize when we got to the resort that we had to request the crib again a second time, almost like a second step in the verification process, which was weird. Well, when you say it's a first come, first serve, you do put in the request for it when you make the hotel reservation. And then when you get to the hotel you are the first come kind of idea and you have to call them and say we're here we want the crib now that's what i think that's what they mean by first come first serve yeah which is another reason to show up early to your disney resort i guess or get an early flight and we did get a crib they brought it up in five minutes it was pretty quick um but just so you all know listening if you do find yourselves in a bind i do know that kingdom strollers also do crib rentals so it's something that i might actually consider for us in the future um, just with this experience with Disney, again, they came, it, it worked out okay for us, but um, we almost didn't have a crib. So it's, again, similar to like the stroller rental at Disney. You might not necessarily get a stroller depending on what time of day you get to the parks. Knowing that you have a stroller, your own dedicated stroller, your own dedicated crib is another reason to work with Kingdom Strollers. So let's talk about um, Citrico's. Was her Maggie's first time out at a restaurant? Period, yeah. Period. She'd she... never gone out to a restaurant before. Yeah, so that was interesting. She loved it. She ate the menu. She, well, oh, she uh, nibbled on the menu. Unfortunately, yeah, she nibbled on the paper menu and bit off a piece, and I had to kind of... And with that, we close out episode 142 of the Imagineer podcast and part one of our two-part discussion. So I encourage you to make sure that you're subscribed to Imagineer podcast, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, or any other podcast apps that you are the first to know when that part two of this uh, two-part series becomes available. Of course, I want to turn this conversation over to you and hear if you've taken an infant or a toddler or any young one to Walt Disney World, any other advice that you would offer to parents who are considering taking a baby to Disney? You can leave me your answers and feedback, as always, in so many different ways. You can reach out on social media, on Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, Facebook at Imagineer Podcast, on Twitter at Imagineer News, and better yet, you might want to join our Facebook group, which is called the Imagination 
also called the Imagineer Podcast Disney Fan Community, where you can chat about this subject with me and with other members of this listener community so you can get a lot of advice about what you should bring and think about when it comes to planning a trip to Disney with a baby. And of course, we discuss many other subjects as well. If you would like to take your love of Imagineer podcast to the next level, I would definitely suggest looking into our Patreon group, which is over at patreon.com slash Imagineer podcast. And I've actually just revamped this Patreon community. You've heard me talk about it before on previous episodes. You know, I decided that number one, life is too complicated. And number two, we're all, you know, feeling the effects of inflation and rising prices. So I've simplified the experience and I'm also giving you more content for less. So if you head over to patreon.com slash podcast, you can find out about our one tier instead of five tiers that's currently available. It's just one subscription option, um, but that gives you access to everything. Bonus episodes of the show, uh, binaural audio recordings from the parks that you can stream on demand, bonus content that's often posted to Patreon. We do virtual events together within our community. We have weekly Disney Plus watch parties, which are so much fun. You get access to a private Facebook community, and I throw in lots of surprises here and there and try to make it as valuable of a community as you possibly can. I do want to thank the 100-plus members of this Patreon community, and again, encourage you to learn more over at, one more time, patreon.com slash Podcast. Got a link for that at imagineerpodcast.com and in the show notes of this episode. And when you're ready to book a trip to Walt Disney World with your infant or toddler or any other Disney destination with anybody for that matter, definitely look into our travel partner, Magical Park Vacations, which you can learn more about at MagicalParkVacations.com or over at Magical Park Vacations on social media because they can help you to plan out your next Disney trip and think about all these options. I mentioned how helpful they were to me and my family for this particular trip, and they could do the same for you. It's a complimentary service really worth reaching out to them and again just head straight to magicalparkvacations.com to request a free quote and learn how they can help you to plan out your next disney vacation and if you want to upgrade your service and work with wdw park planners which we also talked about in this episode and i hope you found that to be really informative um, and i strongly do recommend reaching out to them uh, even if you're just looking to simplify the process for you, um, get some extra advice, or just sort of take off some of the stress of planning your Disney vacation. They really made my life so much easier with so much going on with my full-time job, with running this podcast, with Maggie and wanting to spend time with her. It was invaluable to have their support in planning out all these details and working through our itinerary, booking dining for us. It was just so useful. Um, You can learn more about their services at www.parkplanners.com. And I'm going to talk more in part two about Magical Park Tours. So hang on and make sure to listen to part two to learn why you should really consider them. I'll spare that uh, that discussion for part two. But for now, if you want to learn more about their in-person tour services, just head to MagicalParkTours.com. And they've got social media channels as well. Last but not least, I want to encourage you, as I always do, to go after your hopes, your dreams, your goals, whatever those might be. Take those steps today to make a better happier life for yourself and for those around you. Remember, as always, that inspiring quote from Horizons. If you can dream it, you can do it. Thank you so much for listening to the show, and we'll see you again in a future episode of the Imagineer Podcast.
Come on, everybody. Here we go. When you're at Walt Disney World Resort for the world's most magical celebration, every moment is amazing, the joy is never-ending, and the memories last a lifetime. Because when you celebrate with us, nothing could be more magical. Contact Magical Park Vacations to book your Walt Disney World Resort vacation today. Call 585-662-3686 or visit MagicalParkVacations.com.